0: Eleven, Chapter Two of *The League of the Scarlet Pimpernel*. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Sarah Luann. *The League of the Scarlet Pimpernel* by Baroness Orczy. Book Eleven, A Battle of Wits, Chapter Two. But no feeling of discomfort ever lasted very long with Citizen tournefort he was a person of vast resource and great buoyancy of temperament true he had not apprehended two exceedingly noxious aristos as he had hoped to do but he held the threads of an abominable conspiracy in his hands and the question of catching both bertine and madame la comtesse red-handed was only a question of time but little time had been lost there was always some one to be found at the offices of the committee of public safety which were open all night it was possible that citizen chauvelin would be still there for he often took on the night shift or else citizen gordon it was gordon who greeted his subordinate somewhat ill-humouredly for he was indulging in a little sleep with his toes turned to the fire as the night was so damp and cold but when he heard tournefort's story he was all eagerness and zeal it is of course too late to do anything now he said finally after he had mastered every detail of the man's adventures in the rue des paradis but get together half a dozen men upon whom you can rely, and by six o'clock in the morning, or even five, we'll be on our way to Gentilly. Citizen Chauvelin was only saying to-day that he strongly suspected the ci-devant Comtesse de Souci of having left the bulk of her valuable jewelry at the chateau, and that she would make some effort to get possession of it. It would be rather fine, citizen Tournefort, he added with a chuckle. "'If you and I could steal a march on Citizen Chauvelin after this affair, what? "'He has been extraordinarily arrogant of late, and marvellously in favour, "'not only with the committee, but with Citizen Robespierre himself.' "'They say,' commented Tournefort, "'that he succeeded in getting hold of some papers "'which were of great value to the members of the committee.' "'He never succeeded in getting hold of that meddlesome Englishman "'whom they called the Scarlet Pimpernel,' was Gordon's final dry comment." thus was the matter decided on and the following morning at daybreak gourdon who was only a subordinate officer on the committee of public safety took it upon himself to institute a perquisition in the chateau of gentilly which is situated close to the commune of that name he was accompanied by his friend tournefort and a gang of half a dozen ruffians recruited from the most disreputable cabarets of paris the intention had been to steal a march on citizen chauvelin who had been over arrogant of late but the result did not come up to expectations. By midday the château had been ransacked from attic to cellar, every kind of valuable property had been destroyed, priceless works of art irretrievably damaged. But priceless works of art had no market in Paris these days, and the property of real value, the Souci diamonds namely, which had excited the cupidity or the patriotic wrath of citizens Gordone and Tournefort, could nowhere be found." To make the situation more deplorable still, the Committee of Public Safety had, in some unexplainable way, got wind of the affair, and the two worthies had the mortification of seeing Citizen Chauvelin presently appear upon the scene. It was then two o'clock in the afternoon. Gourdon, after he had snatched a hasty dinner at a neighboring cabaret, had returned to the task of pulling the chateau of Gentilly about his own ears if need be, with view to finding the concealed treasure for the nonce he was standing in the centre of the finely proportioned hall the rich ormolu and crystal chandelier lay in a tangled broken heap of scraps at his feet and all around there was a confused medley of pictures statuettes silver ornaments tapestry and brocade hangings all piled up in disorder smashed tattered kicked at now and then by gordon to the accompaniment of a savage oath the house itself was full of noises, heavy footsteps tramping up and down the stairs, furniture turned over, curtains torn from their poles, doors and windows battered in, and through it all the ceaseless hammering of pick and axe attacking these stately walls which had withstood the wars and sieges of centuries. Every now and then, Tournefort, his face perspiring and crimson with exertion, would present himself at the door of the hall. Gourdon would query gruffly, "'Well?' and the answer was invariably the same. Nothing. Then Gordon would swear again, and send curt orders to continue the search relentlessly, ceaselessly. Leave no stone upon stone, he commanded. Those diamonds must be found. We know they are here, and name of a dog I mean to have them. When Chauvelin arrived at the chateau, he made no attempt at first to interfere with Gordon's commands. Only on one occasion he remarked curtly, i suppose citizen gordon that you can trust your search party absolutely retorted gordon a finer patriot than tournefort does not exist probably rejoined the other dryly but what about the men oh they are only a set of barefooted ignorant louts they do as they are told and tournefort has an eye on them i dare say they'll contrive to steal a few things but they would never dare to lay hands on valuable jewellery To begin with, they could never dispose of it. Imagine a va peddling a diamond tiara. There are always receivers prepared to take risks. Very few, Gordon assured him, since we decreed that trafficking with Aristeau property was a crime punishable by death. Chauvelin said nothing for the moment. He appeared wrapped in his own thoughts, listened for a while to the confused hubbub about the house, then he resumed abruptly, "'Who are these men you are employing, Citizen Gourdon?' "'A well-known gang,' replied the other. "'I can give you their names.' "'If you please.' "'Gourdon searched his pockets for a paper, "'which he found presently, and handed to his colleague. "'The latter perused it thoughtfully. "'Where did Tournefort find these men?' he asked. "'For the most part at the Cabaret de la Liberté, "'a place of very evil repute, down in the Rue Christine." "'I know it,' rejoined the other. "'He was still studying the list of names which Gordon had given him. "'And,' he added, "'I know most of these men. "'As thorough a set of ruffians as we need for some of our work. "'Marie, Guido, Rateau, Desmond—' "'Tiens!' he exclaimed. "'Rateau! Is Rateau here now?' "'Why, of course, he was recruited, like the rest of them, for the day. "'He won't leave till he has been paid, you may be sure of that. "'Why do you ask?' i will tell you presently but i would wish to speak with citizen rateau first just at this moment tournefort paid his periodical visit to the hall the usual words still nothing were on his lips when gordon curtly ordered him to go and fetch citizen rateau a minute or two later tournefort returned with the news that rateau could nowhere be found chauvelin received the news without any comment he only ordered tournefort somewhat roughly back to his work then, as soon as the latter had gone, Gourdon turned upon his colleague. "'Will you explain?' He began with a show of bluster. "'With pleasure,' replied Chauvelin blandly. "'On my way hither, less than an hour ago, "'I met your man Rateau, a league or so from here.' "'You met Rateau?' exclaimed Gourdon impatiently. "'Impossible! He was here then, I feel sure. "'You must have been mistaken.' "'I think not.' i have only seen the man once when i too went to recruit a band of ruffians at the cabaret de la liberté in connection with some work i wanted doing i did not employ him then for he appeared to be both drink sodden and nothing but a miserable consumptive creature with a churchyard cough you can hear half a league away but i would know him anywhere besides which he stopped and wished me good morning now i come to think of it added chauvelin thoughtfully he was carrying what looked like a heavy bundle under his arm a heavy bundle cried Gordon with a forceful oath and you did not stop him i had no reason for suspecting him i did not know until i arrived here what the whole affair was about or whom you were employing all that the committee knew for certain was that you and tournefort and a number of men had arrived at gentilly before daybreak and i was then instructed to follow you hither to see what mischief you were up to you acted in complete secrecy remember citizen gordon and without first ascertaining the wishes of the committee of public safety whose servant you are if the soucy diamonds are not found you alone will be held responsible for their loss to the government of the people Chauvelin's voice had now assumed a threatening tone, and Gordon felt all his audacity and self-assurance fall away from him, leaving him a prey to nameless terror. "'We must round up Rateau,' he murmured hastily. "'He cannot have gone far.' "'No, he cannot,' rejoined Chauvelin dryly though i was not specially thinking of Rateau or of diamonds when i started to come hither i did send a general order forbidding any person on foot or horseback to enter or leave paris by any of the southern gates that order will serve us well now are you riding yes i left my horse at the tavern just outside gentilly i can get to horse within ten minutes to horse then as quickly as you can pay off your men and dismiss them all but tournefort who had best accompany us do not lose a single moment I'll be ahead of you and may come up with Rateau before you overtake me. And if I were you, Citizen Gourdon, he concluded with ominous emphasis, I would burn one or two candles to your compere the devil. You'll have need of his help if Rateau gives us the slip. End of Book Eleven, Chapter Two. Recording by Sarah Luann.